Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. Today we're here in Las Vegas. We were sent to Nellis to assist our airmen and their dependents as they respond to the immediate aftermath of the Las Vegas mass shooting. We thought it would be helpful to record this podcast and get it out to our whole wing, so you can pass it on to those you know who've been affected by this tragedy. So how should we begin this today, Dr. Walker? Well, I think it's important first to acknowledge that uh, this is a very difficult time for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, not just those who are here in Las Vegas, but uh, really everybody uh, across the nation who woke up on Monday morning and, and who heard about this either on the news or on social media or in the paper. And it's it's never easy to uh, respond you know, internally uh, when we're faced with a, a tragedy, especially a mass tragedy of this nature. Um, because very similar to uh, like 9-11, it tends to rock our foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're caught unaware. We, we didn't see this coming. And it can uh, almost threaten our, our personal sense of safety and security. Um, but along with that, people are going to react differently. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the first things I want to acknowledge is that um, you know, maybe you know, people don't react the way that we expect them to. And um, there's not you know, one straight away uh, method that we should react. Um, but that being said, there are, I think, different levels um, in terms of people who are affected by this. I like to, to visualize it like a, like a target. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you think of like a dartboard, there's different levels. And then in the center, you got your bullseye. Um, those, I think, correspond uh, or that area corresponds best with the people who were directly impacted by the tragedy. So in this particular situation with the, the mass shooting, those would be the people who were there at the concert, who uh, witnessed things firsthand, who were directly involved in the, uh, in the situation, the immediate aftermath. Um, but a much larger number of folks are going to be in the next uh, outer ring of that target, which is uh, those who are indirectly affected. Mm-hmm. So maybe they weren't there, uh, but they knew somebody who was there. They had a friend, a family member, uh, maybe a neighbor, an acquaintance, somebody who was present. And so uh, they they were concerned for that person, maybe wanted to reach out to them, make sure they're okay, and, and see if there's a way they could support them. Um but also at the same time weren't quite sure how to do that. And so they're they're wrestling with some of their own uh, fear and anxiety as well. And then in the broadest sense, we have our community. Mm -hmm. And this, um, we can think of this in terms of our whole Las Vegas community and how they've responded to the situation and how they've come uh, as a city to rally around everybody who was affected. But also, um, you know, all of us throughout the 363rd ISR wing and really in the larger um, United States and, and the United States Air Force. So I think it'd be helpful to talk about it um, in terms of those three different groups of, of people um, so that way it, it resonates with all of us. And, and why we're going to approach it this way is we know not everyone was there, mm-hmm. not everyone was indirectly affected, but as our nation, we've all had some kind of impact from this. And we want to give you some skills on how to deal with it and whether you're in the middle ring or the outer ring. So uh, if you tune in, even if you don't think you're directly or indirectly affected by this, just as part of our community, our wing community, our Air Force community, please tune in for some specific ways that you can contribute. 
So I, I want to start with the folks who were directly affected. And if you were uh, one of those folks who were there and present for the mass shooting, uh, please know that, that my heart goes out to you and uh, mm. both of us have been thinking of you and, and praying for you. Um, and what we hope to do is to uh, lend you some tools that you can use to help you get through this tough time. Um, one of the first things I like to tell people is that we all re- react in a variety of ways. And you know, in the immediate aftermath of a situation like this, uh, it's, it's completely normal to have your fight or flight response shoot up from zero to 100 and for it to actually stay there for a little while. And uh, we, we've talked about the fight or flight response before, but it's basically like your, your anxiety and your fear meter. And what that does when it stays you know, elevated for a longer period of time, it can mess with your sleep. It can mess with your appetite, either making you more hungry than normal or uh, completely sapping your appetite altogether. It can make you moody. So some people will get really sad. Some people will get really irritable. Um, it's like you're just dealing with a whole bunch of stress. For those of you who you know maybe witnessed some people being shot or yourself shot, um, those memories or those images may stick with you for, for some time. Or um, you may be constantly reminded of it or just find them popping into your heads from time to time. That is perfectly normal, okay? And for the majority of people, these things get better with time and they actually start to, to decline in the you know, few days or even weeks uh, after the event. So doesn't mean that uh, anything's wrong with you. In fact, um, you know, we don't actually even diagnose post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, until uh, at least a month after a situation like this. So, um, you know, it's, it's perfectly normal to experience these things uh, because it's a, a normal reaction to an abnormal event. So, um, you know, I hope that's some consolation um, if you have been experiencing those things. If it does really start to bother you and... Um, you, you see, you find that it's not going away. There are some things that you can do. We'll, we'll touch on a few of those, but you can also um, seek help from, from somebody like you know myself, psychologist or a chaplain. One of the biggest things to do in, in these times of, of need are just to rally around people who you mm-hmm. uh, trust and, and who you uh, know will support you. Those can be friends, family members, a church, synagogue, anything. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean you have to actually talk about the situation. Um, It's really just to be around people who can express their care and support for Mm -hmm. you. One of the the next things I encourage people to do is to establish a normal routine. Or actually not establish, just to go back into their normal routine. Um, Because you're living at this 100% stress um, it can be really tempting to, to try to do anything you can to curtail it, which in a lot of people's cases will mean avoiding uh, certain things that might you know, normally minimally stress them out. Um, that actually has a counterintuitive effect because you, you'll find that that avoidance actually stays with you. So I encourage people to still get up in the morning around the same time, still you know, go into work if they're, if they're feeling that they're capable of doing it, till, uh, still spend time uh, with family members, go out, um, you know, do those things that you would normally do and try not to let it disrupt your, your normal mode of life. And then another big thing is to take good care of yourself physically. Um, just by the same token, what I was just talking about, uh, maybe really easy to, to, to uh, let your physical health decline. Maybe you, you back away from the exercise or you start eating consolation foods um, or you know, maybe start drinking more alcohol, smoking more, using more tobacco products. 
um, this is the time where you need to really focus on staying physically healthy. Yep. So focus on your sleep, on your eating habits. Um, and and, and you, you're going to say something about yeah, exercise. The next too. one's actually exercise. It's related to that. And specifically, if you can, yoga. Um, on Nellis, they do offer it, I think, three times per week in the base gym. Mm-hmm. And why I recommend it is there's a type of mindfulness meditation associated with it. It's mm-hmm. also in community. And there's a lot of research after 9-11 with those who um, survived in New York who sought out yoga and spiritual practices that really yeah, helped them. Yeah. They were also physical. It, and that was, I remember yoga was one of the things that the the survivors of 9-11 said was most beneficial. It was one of the most beneficial, yeah. more than psychotherapy uh, at all. Uh, the final one too is just a general meditation practice and also deep tissue massage um, and any kind of relaxation. If you feel mm-hmm. like you're just too stressed out, any type of just meditation, whether that's using an app like Headspace or Calm mm-hmm. um, or um, finding massage, uh, that, a deep tissue massage specifically that can help you along that kind of physical touch can help a long way. Yeah, and we're just trying to counteract some of that fight or flight that's Correct. going on with you right now uh, in any way possible. And you actually did yoga today. I did. In fact, yeah. while you were going around, and we've talked to quite a few people today, mm-hmm. it was just a pretty long day, and I said, how can I get through this? So I went over to the gym and just took a yoga class. Now, I can't do everything. I'm not the most flexible person, <laughs> but it helped, and it just helped to lower my stress level to a point where we can now come here tonight and record the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the things too that we're, we're talking about that we've been recommending to airmen is, uh, a journaling technique. Now I'm, I'm pretty big on journaling because I, I find that my thoughts really get clarified and I can organize them into something coherent that really makes sense. Whereas when they're just running around my head, it's all abstract images and thoughts and, and emotions running around at a million miles an hour. But when I slow down and write, um, for some reason, it starts to really come together, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm elevated to a higher level of understanding and insight. It's almost like a spiritual experience sometimes. Well, what I would encourage folks to do is to, when they wake up in the morning, write out three things that they want to accomplish that day or that they're hoping to accomplish. And the reason that we do this is we want to have things to look forward to, and we want to build on that sense of hope and optimism. And you'll find that as you write these things down, you're coming that much closer to achieving it because it's almost like saying a goal at the beginning of the day, and you're telling yourself, I'm going to have a good day, I'm going to get things done, I'm going to be successful. And you're setting yourself up for success in that way. And then at the end of the day, whether you accomplish those things or not, write down before you go to bed, three things that you're thankful for. Absolutely. And you'll find that you're, you're, over time, as this becomes a regular habit, you know, practicing these things, you're more satisfied with your life. Um, you're, maybe you're not feeling as sad or depressed as you once did. And maybe you have a better appreciation for uh, all the many blessings that you have in your life. I agree. Okay. So I want to transition now to talking about uh, those folks who are maybe d- indirectly affected. So... Um, you know, they've got a friend or a loved one who was present at a, a mass tragedy and they want to know how to support them. So aside from sharing with them the, the tools and, and tips that we just talked about, um, you can also just simply express support. And uh, we were talking about this earlier today, Chaplain, how um, a lot of times people don't even take you up on that support. No, they don't. In fact, we went around section to section and said, all you can do with that airman who was indirectly affected or affected, mm-hmm. just tell them I'm here for you if you need anything. Yeah. And you know, give them a handshake, a pat on the back, and it and makes just, a huge difference. And just that, yeah, is uh, often enough for some folks. I mean, mm-hmm. um, they may or may not take you up on it, but just knowing that there are people ready at a moment's notice to rally around them, 
um, can have such a big impact. So um, in addition to that, it's important, I think, too, to kind of check in on people periodically because, you know, maybe in the, the immediate aftermath, the first few days, uh, folks are still kind of coming to terms with what happened and they're not quite ready to process it. Um, in fact, for several, for, for um, you know, multiple sex, sex of people, we've noticed that um, they don't actually start to show some signs of maladjustment until several days or even weeks later mm-hmm. after the incident. And so, you know, they go along looking like they're perfectly fine, but then all of a sudden they start to crumble. So I'd encourage you, if you do have somebody like that, just kind of check on them from time to time um, and try to remain aware of any kind of behavioral changes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the, the final one, too, I wanted to hit on is that ventilate and validate piece, which you've talked okay. about before. Yeah. That's venting, letting them to speak out loud, and then validating what they're thinking. Saying So they say, you know, I just feel really upset about X, Y, and Z. You say, well, I hear you're really upset, feeling upset about that, and just validating their experience wherever it's coming from, normalizing it. But I call this the light pole theory. Mm-hmm. Like if, they, if you function nothing else but as a light pole. In other words, the person comes and speaks to a light pole. The light pole obviously can't respond. It's an inanimate <laughs> right. object. It just provides light. Just be that light pole and just listen to the person speak and just be present for them. Mm-hmm. That alone can go such a long way. And it doesn't require them going to a counselor, psychologist, chaplain in that case. It's just requiring someone to be there and listen and validate. Now, we're not saying don't bring them, but most of the time they just need a friend who's there to listen. And listening is a gift. Right. They they don't need somebody who has all the answers or can give them practical advice. They just need to, to get this stuff out. Um, but not everybody needs that. No. So correct. at the same time, you don't want to. You may not necessarily want to try to draw it out. But if they're coming to you and saying, just be yeah, there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, now, what if somebody uh, maybe does express that they feel like they need to go talk to somebody? What are some resources for <clears throat> folks? So there's a number of resources for either active duty or dependent, especially. Okay. So you've got the chaplain. You have the mental health. You have the military family life counselor, mm-hmm. and then of course military one source. Okay. So all of these are options that are readily available. If you can't find someone, you can always call the command post. You can call through your chain of command, and they'll get you. Um, and you, that's for for active duty. For right? active duty. So so um, you know, let's say we've got an active duty member who uh, their spouse or their kids. I need to talk to somebody, you know, dependent or... Um, At least right now, military family life counselor, military one source, and then chaplains are there for dependents as well. And for uh, mental health? Um, Most mental health clinics are only going to see active duty personnel. Um, So something to keep in mind. I I would encourage, you know, if, if, uh, you know, dependent wants to talk to somebody, then probably the... uh, Military military, one source. Yeah, military one source or NFLAC. And military one source, you can Google that right now. Um, They're a great resource. They provide, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's 10 counseling sessions, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 10 to 12. Um, 10 to 12. But either way, call them. They'll get you hooked in with a local counselor. uh, And they can do telecounseling as well, which is over a video connection. So they can do uh, a whole, have a whole bunch of resources available for your dependents as well. And... Military One Source and Military Family Life Counselors are also open to the Air National Guard as well here. And that's just something to note. Outstanding. Okay, and that brings us to our, our third category, so the, the broader community. So, you know, if you don't fall in one of those first two categories, you weren't directly affected, um, and you didn't necessarily know anybody who was directly affected, you know, maybe you, you're still um, personally affected by this uh, event and um, you're still struggling with questions of, 
uh, you know, the morality of the world and, um, you know, what was the reason behind this event? What does it mean for me going forward? And it's a perfectly uh, normal and, and rational thing to with which to struggle. Um, I, we've talked to a lot of people today who wanted to find a way to contribute. Mm-hmm. You know, they saw this need in their community and they wanted to make a difference. I would encourage folks, if you are feeling that way, to to find a, a manner of contribution that fits your own proclivities. So um, whether that's giving money to one of the many charitable organizations that are, that are right, uh, out, out there right now or giving blood, a lot of people have been uh, doing that recently, or just giving your time to different volunteer efforts. Um, but even more than that, just being a friend to, to those around you and, and you know, reaching out. I'd like to encourage this Las Vegas community to you know, continue to do something that I think they've really done well, which is emphasize the strength and the resilience mm-hmm. of the city. Um, one of the overwhelming themes that I gained today when talking to folks, especially those who've, who've been here and grown up here, is that they feel like the city has, has responded with strength. And it, and it was, you know, we got knocked down, but we are coming together and we are going to uh, fight and, and recover and uh, move on even stronger than we were before. And I think that should be the message for everybody is yep. that, yes, this terrible things, thing happened, but we're going to be stronger because of it and we're going to let it elevate us to an even better place. And then uh, kind of like what we talked before about establishing a normal routine, continue to live your life, especially this, the, you know, the same way that you did before. So um, I know there are you know, some thoughts maybe floating around in the minds of the folks here about whether they really want to go back downtown or go to the Strip, um, attend a concert in the city um, for that that same sense of fear or insecurity that an event like this can cause in us. Um, while that is a completely understandable response, it shouldn't stop you from uh, doing those th- things that you want to do. In fact, this is the abject goal of terrorism, is to keep us from being able to live our lives. And the response from the city and the increased security actually makes this even safer than it was before. And so I'd strongly encourage folks to, if they have those reservations, you know, still challenge yourself to, to go out and to live that life. Do those things that you want to do. Live that lifestyle, um, but still remain vigilant. You know, don't, don't completely let your guard down, right? Yeah, and the next principle is just to rely on your community of faith. And if you do, if you're a person of faith, uh, whether that's church, synagogue, mosque, uh, whether you're in the chapel community, or even if you're in like a yoga or meditation practice, find that community of people who are spiritual that can support you and that spiritual pillar. It's important to find that somewhere in your life. Um, and then also, this is the biggest suggestion, and I believe this is a spiritual practice. The, mm-hmm. the spiritual practice here is fasting. What I'm going to suggest, though, is in a, a fasting in a non-traditional sense, and that's fasting from social media. What I think so much of social media can become very negative, um, whether that's on your Twitter feed, Facebook, Snapchat, etc. There's a lot of negativity. And right now it's understandable. People are looking for someone to blame mm-hmm. because there's not, although we have the person, the suspect, we don't know all the rationale behind in the choice. And people are just lashing out in every direction. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of anger. And I know where that's coming from. You know where that's coming from. But it doesn't help us to read that and fill your soul, your heart, your mind with that. I'd suggest that you take maybe a 48-hour social media break and just say, get, just give, give her a break. And just shut off your Facebook. It'll be there. Your notifications, will, will find, you'll find them. And it will help you so much. 
and same thing with the news too, especially for those folks here here in Las Vegas. Seems to be the the main story that's dominating the news cycle right now. Absolutely. And so, and you'll be able to catch up on it in two days, I promise, and they'll have a lot more data. And, and what we've seen from the psychological research is that folks who are able to do that and just take a break from their their social media, from their really their phone altogether, as impractical as that sounds, um, they get happier. Their anxiety goes down. Mm-hmm. They sleep better. It's it's phenomenal. And you know, this I think is a perfect time to do exactly that, um, to take that break with the intention of then going back to it later. Yeah. So, okay. Well. Um, Las Vegas, Nellis Air Force Base, we want to express to you our deepest love and support. Um, know that we are here for you, and um, many other airmen and Americans are, are here for you and out to, to support you. So uh, if you have any questions, please uh, reach out to us. You can uh, contact us on Facebook and uh, on the global address list. And most importantly, know that God is with you in this, and uh, even in the midst of tragedy, he is present. So we want to thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. And I'm Jerry Walker. Until next time, if you need us, again, reach out to us on the global address, the list, or Facebook. And we just thank you for what you do. And know that we're praying for you. And we're here with you.